Hey guys, it's Tamara and Lindsay, and you're listening to Take Me to Chelsea, a podcast where two Canadians rewatch and discuss the hit UK reality show Made in Chelsea. Today, we're going to be discussing season one, episode four, Do I Look Like Jesus, which originally aired on May 30th, 2011. You know what I was thinking about the other day? Another another day in lockdown. I was thinking about when we were in Chelsea and we'd got up early in the morning to walk to the Bluebird and it was beautiful and it was sunny out and we were so happy to be in Chelsea. Chilly and we had like all bundled up and we got tea to keep warm but then we were just like, oh, this is a life. To give you listeners uh, an idea of what we're talking about. When we, I think it was, we went in 2016, so three years after we started watching the show, we had this idea, like, we have to go to Chelsea, and we'd planned this Europe trip already, but we went all the way to London from Toronto. I guess it's not that far. It's kind of like just crossing Canada again, but we went to London, and we had to do all, like, the MIC hotspots, so we went to Goat, we went to the Bluebird. We went to Battersea Park. I feel like they shoot sometimes in Battersea. Aw, I miss Chelsea. And it looks so different from the show, I felt like. the You don't even go to a place and you've seen it on TV. It's a whole different vibe. Like, I find that with New York, too. How you think it looks is not how it looks. Oh, it's true. I remember thinking... Oh, I went to the Feeney, remember? And it was the... It was a cute place, but I remember thinking, like, oh, on camera, it looks so glamorous. And, like, when you're there, I mean, <laughs> not to rag on it, because it was, like, fun and it was nice, but it just, when you're there yourself, it just seems kind of more accessible, so it doesn't seem as, like, yeah, sparkly. <laughs> but shout out to the Feeney, because they follow us on Instagram, so we love you. We'll come Yay. back. Yeah, I, I actually did really like their patio. We had uh, Aperol Spritz, I remember. Oh, my gosh. And champagne, didn't we? Yeah, that was round I- two. But you know what's interesting about um, London that we didn't realize going there is like you have to go to the bar to get your drinks. This is really foreign to Canadians because it is. If you go, if you're in Toronto, you sit down somewhere. It doesn't matter if like they have a huge patio. Someone will come to you and like bring stuff and bring menus and offer you a drink. Whereas we kind of sat there in the Feeney for a little bit and just kind of looked around like, are people just ignoring us like why hasn't come someone come and serve us and then I think a waiter came by and was like oh are you gonna get a drink at the bar it's like I I guess it's just different and like everything shuts down at 11 unless you're going to like a club or something like that like the bar shut down really early whereas in Toronto and like Montreal when we lived there we wouldn't leave till like midnight or 1 a.m to get to the bar or 3 a.m back to get to the bar yeah oh to get to the bar this is very different but yeah. Love Chelsea. Definitely would go back. Okay, Linz, do you want to give us our synopsis for this week? Kagi, Rosie, and Millie make somewhat of an awkward effort to befriend Funda, while Spencer organizes a boys' poker night. Francis is invited, but only if he agrees to bring his beautiful intern, Agni. Spencer's bad boyfriend behavior extends even further when he argues with Funda about her dancing career. 
Meanwhile, Hugo and Millie go on their first date, continuing their flirtation, despite the fact that he also seems to be interested in Rosie. Ever reserved, Rosie waits in the wings. After their dramatic breakup, Ollie is finally able to admit the real reason he ended his relationship with Gabby. But will she accept it? Okay, let's pop the champagne. Okay, so I, I kind of want to start off by talking about Agni and Francis and the further development, if you can call it that, of this storyline. Last time we saw him act very inappropriately with her considering she's his employee, and now we see him extending that to essentially his group of friends. Um, they have this poker night, and she's invited. It's a boys' night, but for some reason she's invited, and she's essentially just there to be picked apart by the guys. They're commenting about her dress. They're commenting about, you know, her big eyes, quote-unquote. It's just, it's this gross, like, display of masculinity, and they seem to be, as, as Hugo kind of astutely calls out, like, we're all just here you know, taking shots at one another in, in order to impress Agni. And I just, I don't, what do you think about it? I was really kind of put off by this. It was insanely off-putting, and especially because it seemed like they just kind of all took their turns making kind of like a dickish comment about Agni to see how she would react, and then she would react a certain way, and then they'd kind of make fun of her or kind of belittle her intellect or intelligence. But then at the same time, they were, like, trying to score dates with her and trying to impress her. So it was this weird thing where it was just, like, I just felt like she was just totally objectified. And it was just, it just felt really kind of gross. And I know we were saying that a lot about Francis last episode. But now it's, like, he's presenting her to his friend and showing her off. And it just, like, it reached another level. And I just, I really wonder how she felt during this. And she's she was almost kind of like his ticket into that group as Hugo and Spencer were saying they don't hang out with Francis a lot but oh she has this hot intern so let's invite her in to have a poker night and like you were saying objectifying because when they hang out with Kagger they hang out with Millie this is not this is not the dynamic there's there's a clear power imbalance here she's English isn't her first language she's an employee of one of them it's it's just a very um, inappropriate setup to have your employee in again but on a humanity level I found it was so gross as I've said many times <laughs> I kind of feel like this is going to continue unfortunately for the season so I guess we just have to see where it goes from here in terms of is it going to get any better or is it going to this whole setup just going to keep playing out every episode because I am not here for that so while the boys are having their inappropriate poker night with Agni, uh, the girls have actually invited Funda for brunch to try to smooth things over, get to know her better. Yeah, and when I first saw this, I thought it was really nice of them. I thought that was really inviting. Um, but watching this again, I had such a different impression of their attitude to Funda. Again, I feel like Funda's coming in there very open and friendly. She's right away fine to, you know, kind of speak in confidence about her relationship with Spencer, something that I don't think is demanded of her. Like, I don't think it's necessary that she had to do that, but she's obviously trying to make an effort. And we see Kagi and Rosie and Millie kind of be rude to her. I, I got this overall impression that it was kind of catty. 
Yeah, it seemed very passive aggressive. They would ask Funda, oh, what do you do to keep it spicy? And then when she would play along, like you said, like she was being a good sport about it. They seemed to like judge her for it. So judgmental. Yeah, I'm kind of leaning towards, well, just how it is, especially considering the scene that we see with Rosie and Hugo later. Like she is not part of their their club. And I don't know if it's because she's not a Chelsea girl or whatever it is, if it's comes down to that I don't know but she doesn't seem like she's one of them and they're not letting her in it it honestly reminded me of Francis and the boys and Agni it it felt like Funda was the entertainment for the table like Funda tell us all your intimate secrets with Spencer and we're gonna laugh about them but if you try and turn it on us at all we're not having that for for example when Kai jokes about stopping by Millie's photo shoot and seeing the male models and then Funda invites them to this party a few minutes later and says, oh, Kagi, it'll be right up your alley because there'll be a bunch of male models. Kagi just gives her this really cold look. And there's no, you know, camaraderie. There's no exchange of, I don't know, a giggle or whatever, or whatever. Yeah, so maybe we can infer by these reactions and dynamics that maybe it wasn't out of the goodwill of their hearts to invite Funda. Maybe it was a producer saying, all right, you have a scene with Funda at lunch today. Yeah, definitely. No, no I d- definitely think that was set up. I think Kagi's whole thing is to get away from Spencer and Funda. I can't imagine for a second that she is telling Spencer, I need space from you and this situation. I don't want to be involved in your relationship. And then she invites the girlfriend over for lunch that doesn't that doesn't make any sort of sense so if we follow along funda into her next kind of scene she leaves the girls behind and she goes and has this dance recital um and spencer shows up for it and again i feel bad for funda again she's put in this situation that is not i feel like the whole show is kind of making fun of her she's you know dressed quite scantily but it's obviously something that she's not like she's proud of what she does, not not the dressing scantily, but she's proud of the work she's doing and the and the money it makes her and the ability to be independent. And Spencer's obviously quite put off by this. He's not happy that she's going to be dancing for some corporate event. Really old fashioned things coming in. But obviously he knew what he was getting into and they started dating. And that was maybe one of the reasons he was attracted to her because she's beautiful and you know, talented and independent, and now it's being used against her. So offensive when he was saying, if we get, if we were to get serious, like, I would never allow you to pay for half of the things. I'd want to, you know, look after you. Yeah. And I think this is interesting because this kind of speaks to this idea that protecting you or being a protective boyfriend isn't the same as being a jealous boyfriend. Or looking after you isn't the same as, you know, you're the wife and you stay home. But these are still very misogynistic ideas that this person is essentially asking her to adhere to. And she's she's obviously a very independent person. So I can see why she was upset. Yeah, and it's really good that she stood up for herself, I think, in that moment. And she didn't back down. Like, it's really not cool that he's trying to make her feel ashamed for something that she's really proud of and successful at. So I really want to know what you thought about the Millie Hugo date. They're very flirty. Like I felt like it was like three drinks, four drinks down the whole flirtation. Mm-hmm. Not first date flirtation. And, and Millie's been drunk this whole season. <laughs> like every time she's we very, see her. She's yeah, like, she's very forward. I mean, I like that. I like 
I like Millie. I think she and Hugo have like this genuine chemistry um, that's super in every, every single time we see them interact, there's a genuine connection there. Whereas Mm -hmm. I don't see the same thing with Rosie. So you can't help but kind of contrast the two in your mind. And obviously we know how it ends up. So you, I feel like that influences how mm-hmm. you think about it too. But I remember when I first was watching it, thinking they had a cuter connection. I think you're definitely biased. I'm biased, yeah. <laughs> I, um, I think I almost am off-put by Hugo's behavior towards Millie in these early episodes because... I feel like he goes to her for, like, sexual release or, you know what I mean? Like, he mm-hmm. kind of plays into that side where he's like, oh, you're, like, so beautiful. You're dressing so provocative. He's like, it's making me hot under the collar. Yeah. Millie's really easy to do that with because she gives it right back. But I don't feel like he takes her seriously and he always downplays his, like, potential connection with her he always downplays it but then he when he's with her he's happy to make out of course cause she's like stunning but it kind of makes but maybe that's maybe that's why they work is because he doesn't take her as seriously so he can be more himself and they can forge that connection whereas with rosie i feel like it's much more like there's a consciousness there that that what he says is more thoughtful mm-hmm. um and i think because of that there's not the ability to kind of joke around as freely. Even when Rosie and Hugo are on, I guess they're they're out for drinks or something like that in the middle of the afternoon and they're and he's showing her that video of Funda. They're both so judgy because I feel like that's what they expect of one another. But I don't know that that's all of Hugo and I feel like Millie kind of brings out a different side of him that is more fun-loving there's definitely a chemistry there. Even though he is, I definitely agree with you. I think he's very sexual with her. And I think it's not necessarily fitting for where they are in their relationship. So maybe that speaks to how he views her. But I think despite his best efforts and despite what he, what he thinks he should be doing, which is maybe dating someone like Rosie, he's drawn to Millie. Hmm. You're just put off by the sexual connotation of everything he says i'm put off by yeah how he how he talks about her and how all of their interactions have been to this point um i totally agree they do have undeniable chemistry but like then when you contrast it to a scene for example so you have hugo kind of brushing it off to spencer um his feelings for millie but then you have millie speaking to Kagi about it at the bar and like this a nice little scene between the two of them just kind of talking about her feelings and she seemed a little vulnerable like in terms of like she is starting to fall for Hugo clearly but you just get none of that from Hugo so it just kind of makes me kind of wary of what his true intentions are yeah I think I think that's fair um I'm glad you brought up that scene with Kagi and Millie because I think that scene completely answered my questions from the last couple of episodes do you remember we were talking about does Millie know how much Rosie likes Hugo is she being a bad friend what's going on there but Millie says super clearly if Rosie was to come out and say I like him I wouldn't go there she'd back off but because Rosie is so closeted about things she's so reserved and modest about about everything when it comes to kind of her personal life and that and that's probably something to do with the fact she's on camera now 
yeah, I don't know. I think it's, I think, I think we can see that Millie is trying to be a good friend, but she obviously, yeah, has feelings for Hugo. I think she is selectively choosing when she wants to, what she wants to hear in terms of Rosie's feelings. And I think she wants to absolve herself of any guilt. Like, I think she knows that she knows there's something. You can see it as Millie trying to be considerate of Rosie, but I kind of see it as Millie, she's fallen for Hugo, don't fault her for that at all, but trying to lessen maybe any guilt or any negative backlash she would have by pursuing Hugo by kind of saying, oh, well, Rosie's closed off, so I can't really go by that. But I, but I mean, what are you going to do if you're a Millie? Are you really just going to wait around forever? If Rosie's potentially had feelings for this guy for a long time, he's still single and she's not going for it. And there's no indication that she is going to go for it. Are you just going to wait forever if you like him too? No, I don't think. Yeah. And I want to clarify. I like Millie. I don't think she's being like a totally awful person. I just think she's kind of has her blinders on. Like she could have an honest conversation with Rosie. She's choosing not to. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Maybe they're not that close. I mean, I don't know how close they are at this point. So this all caps off in this episode with this juxtaposed scene of Rosie speaking to Spencer and saying, okay, yeah, I'm into Hugo. Finally admits it. Finally, actually, just what we were speaking about. Comes out and says, I like Hugo to Spencer. Meanwhile, upstairs, we have Hugo and Millie drunkenly kissing again. I mean, it's just terrible terrible situation for these friends to be in and i empathize with both of them it seems like rosie and i have no idea it's total speculation it seems like she is being told something's about to kick off with her and hugo and the show's building that up and she's like not aware that she's being juxtaposed with millie macking hugo in the next room so i kind of feel bad because she has like a hopeful about her and her cute like but she's still not saying it she's still not coming out and she saying said it because it to spencer no but she i don't think she did okay i and the hear me out the reason i don't think she is because she said specifically like literally a moment before she says i don't really know how i feel about hugo and then spencer says something like but you know you like hugo and then she goes yeah, and it's one of those edits that if you've been watching reality television for as long as I have, you know when something's manufactured. That edit mm. is was a rough edit. Like she says, yeah, but the expression on her face, the way that that word comes out of her mouth, that is not the full story. We're not getting the full story there. Mm. Okay, fair point. I have to rewatch it, I guess, and see. <laughs> Did you rewatch your rewatch? Rewatch, rewatch. <laughs> I'm watching this I'm watching this romantic story play out like a hawk. No, but it's true, like since we've been doing this, I have been more attuned to the cutting and editing. I've been trying to like think about that more, but I did not catch it there. Yeah. So. Well, especially in the earlier episodes while they're trying to create these drama streams, I'm sure they had to do things like that to make it very obvious to the teller. It's not it's not the same as a lot of reality shows today where you have someone being interviewed and they can give their perspective on what's going on and paint the picture for the viewer. Back then, and, and Maine Chelsea continues to do this, you have to, I don't envy the editors, they have to go through and try and find this coherent storyline through whatever scenes they've filmed. Mm-hmm. It's difficult, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But I don't think Rosie was as forthcoming as as it appears um and i agree that they were definitely trying to set something up so she comes out and says i like him just at the same time that they're kissing can we talk for a second about mark francis 
I know he doesn't have a huge scene in this, but I think in the same way that the show's put in little excerpts of Mark Francis, I think we should too. The Mark Francis segment <laughs> of the show. <laughs> yeah. But in this in this um, episode, he's introduces, or he's introduced to Agni at, when they're shopping. And Agni asks if he's royalty. And I think she was probably prompted to ask something like that. But then Francis gets all defensive and says, oh, I think, I think royalty is a little bit more understated than that. Apparently he shops a lot. What did you think of that? I thought that was so, I don't know. I thought that was kind of underhanded, to be honest. Overhanded, maybe even. <laughs> Not my <day>. Overhanded. <laughs> but yeah, I was thinking the same, uh, along the same lines about Francis and Mark Francis at the museum too. It kind of the continuation. There seems to be like a really awkward weird undercurrent between the two but they keep getting forced to interact through mm-hmm. the show and francis seems to be like really not a fan of mark francis and mark yeah. francis is very polite and is making I don't, i'm not saying out of the goodness of his heart but he's like you know in, in the social situation he's always going to be polite so he's playing that up and i don't know what it is about him that francis just does not seem to be buying i feel like they're paired together because they're the snootiest people on the show or maybe they're the two with, without a coherent storyline. Like we have Kagi and Funda and Spencer and Hugh and they all have very clear storylines and points of conflict and these two kind of exist. I mean, we even see at the end of this episode Francis kind of being set up with someone who is at the gallery as well and is clearly told to go over and speak to him. Yeah, well, and there's, there's, they're trying to do something with Agni as well. But yeah. just not working. <laughs> yeah so i don't know i feel like they're they're trying to put francis in in a situation where it'll be good tv and i don't think they found his little group yet okay so for our final topic we have to talk about ollie and gabby and i feel like we always leave them until the end because that's kind of how the episode treats them (laughs) not that they're always at the end but they're not really connected with the rest of the storylines. They weren't even at the museum event with everybody else, and they're, nobody ever talks about them. Like, they don't seem to overlap social circles at all with any of the other cast members. Just want to say, it was not a muse- museum event. It was an art gallery. Art museum, <laughs> you're true, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so obviously Ollie has... He admits to Binky in this episode that he's bisexual. And Binky, I think, speaks for all of us when she says, I know. I've known this for some time. And it is a really big moment. Like, we, I know maybe it doesn't seem yeah. as much now. And because we all know, like, how. Uh, no, it's a huge yeah. moment. That's a huge moment in someone's life to come yeah, out. Yeah. And it seems like he, both times he came out um, to both Binky and Gabby at the end. It, you could tell it was like a huge deal to him and he didn't mm-hmm. quite know how to vocalize it and it was like he's been thinking about it for so long and he knows he's on TV and he has to like yeah. make this public declaration and I, like it's a very brave thing to do I think. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely very brave and I felt bad for him too because he kind of throws in this last line with Binky he says it's the cheap equivalent of the gay best friend and I felt it was very I don't know it it struck me as sad that that's kind of his perspective and I kind of I wonder if that is indicative of kind of how he's feeling like I don't 
I think he feels genuinely horrible for having broken this girl's heart. And I think he seemed, I mean, not to put any feelings on him, this is could be totally way off base, but from my perspective, it seemed kind of like he was still struggling with it. Like he wanted, he wanted to break free from Gabby because he doesn't quite understand how he's feeling and he needs the space to explore that. And I wonder if kind of some of it was that guilt was kind of being associated with his coming out. And I just feel bad because that's not, no one wants to come out and have and feel like that's the reason that they have to break someone's heart. Like this, this should be a happy moment for him. And, and I don't know, maybe it was, but you know, this is an exciting time for him to kind of come out. And like you said, this is something to be proud of. I just felt badly that his coming out story so publicly is so associated at this point with a breakup and and this devastated young woman. Yeah, and who doesn't, I think, and it's understandable, but she's very focused on her own pain. So focused. Don't begrudge her for that. But like, even when he came out to her, I think she, and of course, we don't know like the whole scene or this is this was the first time she found out or whatever but it didn't really seem like she was super supportive or like acknowledging that he was doing this huge thing by telling her Mm -hmm. and by admitting it finally she kind of downplayed it and with her singing the song just seems like she's really focused on her pain and her inner you know Mm -hmm. struggle to deal with this and maybe not putting some focus where it should be which is on Ollie's pain too yeah and I mean we have to acknowledge how difficult that would be like if you're completely in love with someone and they break up with you it's hard to be happy for them for the reason they broke up Mm -hmm. I understand obviously that that would be the best case scenario is like I'm glad that you're working towards a more genuine version of yourself and that you're able to you know live your truth essentially but I don't know that that would be the gut instinct when you've just had your heart absolutely destroyed by someone that you're desperately, desperately in love with to be like, oh, I'm so happy for you. Not to be happy, but just to have more like empathy or sympathy yeah, for yeah. their, their emotions yeah, she's, too. Yeah, she, she is quite sad for herself, which I understand, but you're right. I mean, he's obviously struggling with it too. He was so upset when he had to break up with her. This is not someone who callously dumped her. No, He's super upset. Mm-hmm. Um, and she does admit some culpability. She does admit to knowing that he didn't love her. I kind of, it's so funny. Like I just, not to downplay at all her pain, but I kind of feel like she was super, like trying to be really melodramatic there. And yeah. like, I could just like trying to say on her face. I- iconic lines that they would just like, <laughs> edit to like music and it would just be super dramatic you know like it just made me think of that like the whole so true also when he actually says like um that i'm interested in guys too her eyes like flash like so widely but it kind of reminded me like these old school like I don't, I don't even like old school movies where the eyes would be so um, silent film yeah exactly Poor, poor Gabby. I mean, and, and she's going to continue to struggle with this breakup throughout. I just felt sad because they hugged at the end and I felt like they kind of came to this nice, happy place, but it's going to get ruined. Like, I mean, not to spoil, we'll get, we'll get into it, but why couldn't she have just let it be at this point? Like she should have just let it be. Like he doesn't want you. He's into, you know, finding out 
what's next in his life, whatever that might be, and there's no room for for you in his life as a girlfriend right now, just like back off and just be chill. And I know it's difficult after a breakup, but yeah, just be on. the bigger person. Try to be friends with him. You have mutual friends. You want to be like you want to come out of it like with some grace. <laughs> yeah, and she could have gone that way but i guess we'll see what happens with that yeah okay so tam what was your favorite moment my favorite moment is actually very predictable i think it was millie and hugo kissing at the art gallery i don't know why i just love those two and i'm always happy when something happens with them definitely my favorite moment for this episode and Lindsay, what about you? What was your favorite? I liked Millie and Kagi grabbing drinks together, talking about uh, Hugo and, and talking and talking about, yeah, like uh, how they would imagine him as a sexual partner and just having some... <laughs> I think that's how they worded it too. <laughs> just um, <laughs> trying to be a PC podcast here. But um, just how they think he would be and just talking about like, you know, shooting the shit about, like, talk about sex and stuff. It's kind of, it's very relatable, and it was cute. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about sex with your girlfriends over drinks. Yeah. So, Lens, what are we listening to this week? The biggest song of this episode was probably S&M by Rihanna, when Funda was doing her dance, doing her thing. I just... I sometimes actually can't hear that song. I used to love it before Made in Chelsea, but without now thinking of that food dance. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and we can't not talk about Fight <laughs> by Gabby. I can't believe I forgot about it. So do you remember when we first listened or watched this season and we would go and find like her music video for that, for that song? <laughs> Which we will see the making of to, to come. <laughs> This is the best song in the whole season. No, but she's a, a really great singer and like she they're really showcasing her, her her musical talent a lot. She definitely channels everything into her her singing. You can just tell like she is so emotive and passionate when she sings and Yeah. You know what's so funny though is like when she is singing that and then Ollie comes in, she immediately takes on this tiny little breathless voice and carries on the whole conversation like that. Hi. And she was just like <laughs> belting it out into yeah. the mic a minute earlier. So yeah, well, that's the first uh, Gabriella hit and we'll see if we have any more, but that's probably the two highlights for this episode. So next time on Take Me to Chelsea, we're going to be seeing Francis go on his first date not with Agni, thank goodness. We'll also see the fighting between Spencer and Funda really go up a notch. And we finally get a resolution for Hugo, Rosie, and Millie. And it's going to make me really sad. So until next time.